WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.13, and with us this morning from MTSU, we have guest Will Perkins, Assistant Professor of Music, and Christy Schamberger, Associate Professor of Theater at MTSU. How are y'all both doing today? Great, thank you. Fantastic. So understand a special event is coming up at Tucker Theater on Saturday. I guess that'd be this Saturday. That is correct. So what is it? This is our first annual MTSU Arts Celebration. So what all is going to take place during the celebration? We're really excited to welcome Broadway star Laura Osnes as our guest MC for the evening and to showcase a bunch of our students from several different performance ensembles from the School of Music and the School Department of Dance and Theater and also the Department of English. So dance and uh, live music performances and, and more, it sounds like. Yes, we have about eight to nine uh, uh, groups participating, different choirs, ensembles, the Steel Pan uh, ensemble, opera, theater, musical theater, even uh, the cast of Cabaret will present a number. That's a performance coming up later in the semester and uh, musical theater. And then also at the event, I understand MTSU is inducting a founding MTSU Arts Patron Society member at the actual event this Saturday. That is correct. Um, we are very excited to honor um Andy Womack, uh, and this is just um, kind of a love note to our patrons, right, is what we're doing, and, and just saying thank you for supporting us through the years, and also come see what we're offering, come see what we do, what we're working on, and what our students are doing, the wonderful work that they are doing, and, and come support us even more, come hang out with us even more. So former Tennessee State Senator Andy Womack will be uh, the one who receives that award uh, at the event this coming Saturday. Then in addition to that, it is, of course, open to the public. How do you go about buying tickets to this or what do you do? You can visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for tickets. They're $20 and uh, the proceeds go to, to continue to benefit MTSU Arts and the wide variety of offerings. Okay. And then again, the dance and all that, that begins at 730. And then is there a schedule like, you know, the music's going to take place next or it's all in combination? It, it is all in combination, a big running program for the evening. Uh, we'd also like to invite people, our wonderful guest uh, MC for the evening, Laura Osnes, will be presenting a master class where she'll work with some of our students. Uh, that's 2 to 4 p.m. in Hinton Hall in the Wright Music Building, and that's a really great opportunity open to the public as well. That's free. And again, all this is taking place this coming Saturday, February 25th, and the performance is at 7.30 in the Tucker Theater. Uh, what else could you tell us about this event? So yes, do uh, be sure you're arrived by 7.30 because the performance will begin and just will run seamlessly one number into another uh, while we get to honor Andy, Andy Womack as well. But um, we will be, Laura Osnes, our host, will be uh, 
talking with the audience, but also performing a couple of numbers as well and working with our students and performing with our students. Um, And she will be singing a number from Cinderella, which is one of the shows that she's famous for on Broadway. And Will and I are are excited also about that because that is the show that we will be co-directing in the fall at MTSU. So it's really kind of a neat um, kickoff for that as well. Again, Will Perkins and Christy Schamberger with us today from MTSU. So what got you guys interested in the arts to begin with? Oh, goodness, that's all I ever wanted to do from the time I began to walk and talk. <laughs> that, that, I feel the same. I, I don't remember not singing. It's always been inside of me. I think uh, my grandparents were big inspirations. They, I played mm-hmm. a lot of oldies and classical music, so I kind of got a great blend and, and show tunes and just kind of is in my bones. And I sort of grew up watching the golden age of musical theater, and and those were always my favorite, the Roger and Hammerstein uh, musicals, and that's what Cinderella is. And, uh, yeah, it's wonderful to get to teach and share uh, your passion, what you love to do, and to see students grow and and learn to, to blossom and thrive and to go out in the professional field and work because that is our goal for them. And how often do you see students who later you know, make it to Broadway, or later they're they're in movies or TV shows. Um, I've been at MTSU, this is my 12th year, and, and uh, we are really starting to see students take off and work more and more. Very excited about a recent graduate, Devin Bowles, who's been starring in Kinky Boots uh, in New York, and uh, so and many others of, of recent. We've had a lot that are working, not only in New York, but in regional theaters all across the country, and and on the music side, we have uh, one of our recent stage managers, Andrew Green, who's working with a major orchestra on the East Coast as a production manager. So we we do. We have students coming out of our program and, and going big places. That'd be a lot of fun, you know, to, to graduate here, then move on, go to New York, go to California, just wherever. I always tell them to remember the little people That's right. and be sure I get tickets to their Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this upcoming MTSU Art Celebration concert is this coming Saturday at 730 and uh, this is a, a big production, it sounds like, celebrating 11 years of MTSU Arts. Correct. Again, website to buy the tickets online ahead of time. Where do we go? mtsu.edu slash Arts. Sounds good. Uh, anything else that I'm leaving out or anything? Just sure hope you'll come and join us this weekend. We expect it to be a very exciting event. And again, that is this Saturday at 730 at the Tucker Theater on the MTSU campus. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Time right now, 820. More news and information coming up. What do you like most about Adam's Place? My apartment. I love my apartment. It's roomy, and I've got lots of books, and I've got room for everything, and my little dog likes it, so we're happy in my apartment. We're talking with Betty Kirksey. The people are nice. Everybody that works here, I have found it. They're really nice. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. Broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Take control of your account management and energy consumption with the MyMTE app. Download from the App Store and manage your account, improve your energy habits, and more. MTE, serving to make life better since 1936. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come in and do business with my family. As the weather gets worse and we spend more time indoors, give your pets additional enrichment. Here at Animal City, we carry a variety of toys and entertainment for pets of most kinds. 
When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 821, we are now joined by Paul Chilson with, or MTSU, is the Associate Professor of Video and Film Production in the MTSU Department of Media Arts. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. Well, good. So what, what is happening in that department, Media Arts? That covers a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the Media Arts Department is a, a relatively interesting mix of things, right? Yeah, we have, um, we have of course, the... Um, video and film production uh, uh, major, and then we have, uh, and in that, that's even got some some various uh, prongs to it as well, and we have um, the photography program, and I think you're gonna be hearing from somebody from uh, photography uh, just after me, and, um, and you know, and we have uh, uh, interactive media, and we have, um, I don't know, I can't keep track of all of them. <laughs> um, we, and, uh, you know, media management. So we have a number of different, uh, we come from, uh, um, it's also, you know, it's almost kind of an interdisciplinary. Media uh, is an interesting topic these days. There, there's so much different types of media out there right now. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's true, and it's actually even the, the topic uh, that we're gonna talk a little bit about today, Scott, is that, um, um, you know that the media making and what that means even is is uh, is such a broad topic, and I think it's difficult in an educational system sometimes to try to narrow the field for the students that are in front of you, uh, give them a sense of okay how do you how do you how do you narrow down the noise to what what am I working on what am I doing yeah so how how do you narrow that down and, and how does bioculture conservation fit in with this whole picture right it's a great it's a great question we we in the classroom we narrow things down by saying okay this is what we're doing this is the this is you know for i teach mostly filmmaking classes single camera filmmaking you know kind of classic filmmaking classes but as it relates to the work i'm doing in the amazon um, <clears throat> you're lit- literally going to the Amazon to, to produce yeah. video. Go down d- deep into the deep into the jungle of the Amazon, and, and uh, you know, landing on a dirt airstrip and on a prop engine plane with a bunch of students and and, and uh, colleagues, and we go in. We we work on uh, working in a cross cultural collaborative uh situation where we're working with side by side with indigenous people uh creating media there's training involved certainly bringing some of the some of the the techniques and uh equipment and these kinds of things that we have um but it's also giving them the opportunity to explore their uh, use their you know find their voice uh explore their own stories um and get their you know, get their, uh, uh, be able to communicate about their world to an outside audience. So the, the video footage that you gather in the Amazon, is it going to be put together into an actual film for others to view? Well, yeah, it's a number of things that we're doing. One of the things that we, we're doing is um, students go down, they create projects that have to do with the work that we're doing or some of the, some focus of, of interest that they have. Um, I usually am working with some sort of specific um, international production co- collaboration 
excuse me, with filmmakers there. Um, and we're creating films out of that, that the public are seeing and will be seeing more of. Um, but then also the village itself, they work on projects that are either for the, the audience immediately around them in their village or other villages like them. They have almost like their own network, if you will. And then, um, but then also they're more, even more keenly interested in their films speaking to a broader audience. And that's some of the nature of this, of this talk tonight is that they're interested in their work speaking to broader audiences because they can, um, start to communicate to the outside world the importance of essentially the outside world, you know, leaving them live their lives like they have been for, you know, from since time immemorial. And that and that's a very important thing, because getting back to your question, wh what they've learned, what uh, ethnobotanists uh, and, and people who study these things have learned, anthropologists, archaeologists, that they if if they take care of the forest very well just by the way they live um so if we can preserve their way of life and and they can preserve their way of life that's good for the forest that's good for the rainforest it helps preserve it and it helps preserve their culture and these are things that are really important obviously for you know for the human you know for the human situation paul chilson with the mtsu's department of media arts and again you are taking a number of students to the actual Amazon to, to film, to do video work, and you're going to be living, I guess, in, in a village there within the Amazon during your time yeah. spent there? Yeah, we live we live in the village. We live with the people there, and um, you know, we eat with them and, and play with them, and uh, um, you know, we sleep in a essentially a hut. Um, but it's what we a lot of people are like in small tents or covered uh, hammocks and it, but it's, it 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 has a certain sort of you know it can have a certain sort of romantic kind of glamping uh, sort of feel to it um, and the students get into it uh, they're they're a little trepidatious but uh, but you know the food is always really good and the and but the but the the learning for them is just off the charts it's like a, it's like a living. Uh, living classroom and they 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 come out uh, they come out changed so the wild animals the Amazon River piranhas <laughs> the snakes I, I mean what yeah. I, what do you expect to see nothing worse than you wouldn't find in you know like uh, Times Square uh, really <laughs> um, no <laughs> um, seriously it's um, it's a uh, it's again it sounds like a very big exotic thing and it is but once you're there and you're in it um, you understand you come to understand that this is just a way of life people have been doing this, you know since since we know <laughs> and um, uh, and it is um, You you adapt and you adapt and you adopt and that is part of the that is part of the learning experience for the students It it it, it is it really is a, a life-changing thing for most of them myself included and tonight uh i guess a special presentation on this trip to amazon the film mm -hmm. work you're going to be doing right. it's going to be discussed at the bragg media and entertainment building on the mtsu campus that's this evening what 6 30 at 6 30 in the bra in bragg 103 and yeah we're going to be focusing um on work that we, that has been done before as an example of the kinds of things that students and, and faculty will continue to do but we are going to be showing some clips of projects that have been 
worked on. I'm showing a piece of uh, a piece of a film that I have, and we're showing um, we're we're also talking about a National Geographic project that there's a women's project. So we have a women's fil- a woman's a woman filmmaker there, Beck Poi, and her chief uh, Kaquette, um, and a, and a couple of other anthropologists that work with them. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting panel. And yeah, we're going to get into what we've done and and the impact that this kind of work can have sounds really interesting we'll talk more about it after this break time right now 829 we're going to pause we'll also hear from our commissioner commissioner harris during the commissioner corner in just a second then we'll be right back with more from mtsu time right now 829 hi this is peter demas join our family at demas's restaurant so many people buy so many different things You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go. You can get pastas or chicken. You know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. The Commissioner Corner with Commissioner Craig Harris. And now, Commissioner Harris shares his views on life, the struggles some of us face, and more. Without further ado, here's Commissioner Craig Harris. Wokeism. That word alone changes attitudes and creates more division among Americans than any other word. To a conservative, it's a hot button, trigger word that leads to highly heated debates. Debates in which a conservative must defend oneself from the craziest of accusations hurled by the far-left faction of the Democrat Party. But what is wokeism? Polling shows only 22% of the U.S. population knows what wokeism actually means. According to Dictionary.com, wokeism is the promotion of liberal progressive ideology and policies as an expression of sensitivity to systematic injustices and prejudices. Urban Dictionary defines it as 21st century left-wing political movement inspired by various aspects of postmodernism and critical race theory including but not limited to victimology, subjectism, liberalism, intersexuality, interracism, reverse sexism, Marxist, cancel culture, and safe spaces. But I'm really curious and wanted to know why so-called woke people think the way they think. According to those on the left, woke people are more aware of what's going on in the community as it relates to racism and social injustice. In other words, woke equals consciously awake. While there is no single agreed-upon definition of the term that encapsulates identity and race, it is predominantly promoted by progressives as white privilege and critical race theory. Wokeism is weaponized personal grievances masquerading as a genuine social concern. It is defined by its fraudulent nature as being distinct from legitimate social grievances. Wokeism only knows outrage, has no empathy for victims, Wokeism in fears, you are fully with us or you are fully against us. According to the woke generation, consistently mostly of young Gen Z adults, the woke culture wants to fight against oppression, discrimination, and racism. It keeps us aware of the need to be vigilant against those who want to throw us back into the dark ages of inequality and oppression. To me, it is a frustrating issue. I feel the woke culture consistently demonizes or dehumanizes anyone they feel is from the wrong demographic group, like how being white is an issue to the woke moment, or how being male is inherently bad or dangerous. 
I get angry when social media, corporations, the government, even your own friends tell you that if you disagree with woke culture, you are a bad human based on how, when, and where you were born. My personal history doesn't matter to them at all. It's a one-size-fits-all mentality. To me, wokeism is an authoritarian worldview that seeks to deconstruct the foundation of our Christian faith by overwhelmingly overpowering and overthrowing those who do not adhere to its ideology. They believe they are morally superior based on race, gender, and sexual orientation. I believe it is Markism and invites comparisons to the Salem witch trials and McCarthyism. It destroys everything it touches. It tears apart foes and friends alike. One of the many issues that are championed by the woke is critical race theory. It is a cruel thing to indoctrinate children with the lie that they are innately guilty of oppression due to the color of their skin. One accurate definition of racism is collective ill-treatment of an individual due to his or her innate appearance. He or she is mentally, spiritually, or morally inferior because of those traits. The destruction of all human traits, replaced by demonized traits, reduces individuals to faceless members of a collective whole. One size fits all. The woke did not even make the effort to admit class matters as much as more than race. By doing so, they doomed millions of poor white and Asian students who rose above poverty to earn excellent grades and test scores from being admitted to top-tier schools. Their actual achievements actually mean very little. I can go on and on about woke viewpoints, such as defunding the police, white supremacy, transgenderism, erasing religious rights, In some, wokeness is not about kindness, equity, fairness, or morality. No wonder the woke so-called humanists are the first to resort to totalitarianism. They are masters in censoring, blacklisting, scapegoating, deplatforming, ritual humiliation, doxing, cancel culture, and disbarring. Above all else, wokeism is a cult. To those who identify as woke, keep up the good work. Nothing unifies the Republican Party more than your cult. This is Craig Harris, and this is the Commissioner Corner. For the Commissioner Corner, that was County Commissioner Craig Harris. The views of Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris are just that, his views. They're not necessarily the views of this radio station, website, or our advertisers. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.36. Again, Paul Chilson with us this morning, Associate Professor of Video and Film Production in the MTSU Department of Media Arts. And we've been talking about of all places the amazon and and filming in am in the amazon and then also you're teaching others who there i guess live there in the amazon how to film right and you know we try to it's interesting the one of the things i've learned uh, uh scott is that the term even the term teaching it's almost like it's not really teaching certainly these are training you know we're bringing certain kinds of uh 
techniques and, and knowledges to, to the process, but it is a process that they are fully engaged in, and it is a collaborative one, and it is a, it is a cultural exchange. We're learning from them about as much as they're learning from us. So it's a, certainly a two-way teaching kind of thing. Um, we learn about their life ways. We learn about um, how uh, colonialism has altered their life ways and how trying to remove some of those effects can be beneficial to them. And then thereby that can be beneficial to all of us because of the way they end up preserving the forest. And then a grant from National Geographic, that will allow them, I'm assuming, to purchase video equipment, cameras, all that? Yeah, it, it works to uh, to fund a lot of different components of, of them being able to take the time to redirect resources to, to create these films. And yeah, it, everything, including things like equipment, but also travel to go places and, and also some travel for some of the people that have worked with them on these films to come in. And then what's wild is they're going to be able to document their own way of, I guess, living and caring for the rainforest there in the Amazon. Yes. And that, that is, again, there's a mix of kinds of projects. One of the things I've done recently is uh, we did their first, very first um, uh, narrative film called Nakpoti, which is now a, a telling a fictional fictionalized version of a, of a legend story of theirs but a lot of the work they're doing is looking at their their traditions their ceremonies their life ways and documenting those and and working to share those with the outside world and then again tonight six thirty in the Bragg communications building there the the media and entertainment building there's going to be a presentation about past projects and then also i guess people can ask about the amazon yeah we can uh, work it's going to be an open discussion really it's open to the public and and we hope people come and ask questions um the the people that are on the panel from from uh from the amazon are willing to uh, talk about these things and they're interested in talking about them that's why they're here so i hope we hope we get some good uh engagement with that yeah it definitely sounds fascinating and uh once everything is i guess put together on your end from the mtsu side of, of your trip to the amazon mm-hmm. is mtsu going to release you know a, a documentary on what they did down there well, a number of film, a number of projects that have been done in sort of this behind-the-scenes sort of way. We've got a couple of things, um, but we have to be and we have to be careful because we don't want to be we don't want to look like sort of the outsider tourists coming in, going, "Ooh, look at the fascinating, you know, indigenous people!" Right. So we're we're trying we we step lightly in those areas and try to find the right balance between yes, we want to share these things and share about what's going on, but we want to be careful not to be. You know those those outsiders who are just there to to take away. So it's a it is a delicate balance and important balance. Uh, but it yes certainly to answer your question we we definitely have some projects that we're sharing in the process sharing and will be sharing more to the outside world and certainly National Geographic that project when it gets finished will be something that they control and that they share uh, through their normal channels. Again, Paul Chilson with us, Associate Professor of Video and Film Production in the MTSU Department of Media Arts. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Time right now, 840. You're listening to WGNS. More news and again, more information and a check on the traffic and weather next. We're talking with Carol Johnston. My son lives here and when I'd come to visit, I'd drive down Memorial and see Adams Place, and I thought it was such a beautiful setting. I was just very impressed with the friendliness of the staff 
they put the residents first here, and I like that very much. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. We'll see cloudy skies here for this afternoon with a high in the upper 60s. Southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 53. The best part about taking ZQuil Pure Z's Sleep Plus Next Day Energy at night is actually the next morning. I wake up alert with none of the grogginess from taking too much melatonin. Pure Z Sleep Plus Next Day Energy is a bilayer tablet with immediate release melatonin and extended release B vitamins to help me fall asleep naturally and wake refreshed. It's my secret weapon for a great night's sleep and a great morning. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Can't beat that. Zequel Pure Z's Gummies. Sleep better, wake your best. What you've heard about probiotics is probably wrong. I eat yogurt, so I don't need to take a probiotic. Probiotics? They don't really work. It's time to learn the truth about probiotics and join the Align Healthy Gut Team Up. Align has probiotics to naturally help relieve occasional bloating, gas, and abdominal discomfort. Try Align Probiotics for a month and see how great a healthy gut can feel. Get $2 off your first month of Align at AlignProbiotics.com. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. Now more than ever, count on WGNS. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now, that time, 8.42, you're listening to WGNS again on this Monday morning. Today is the 20th of February. And now joining us in studio from MTSU, Shannon Rendell. And uh, you're the Associate Professor of Photography and the Curator of the Baldwin Photographic Gallery, of course, at MTSU. Correct. So one of the things that is coming up, uh, I guess it, it starts, what, February 21st? Uh, the exhibit's been up since the 2nd of February and runs through March 4th. So I have that totally wrong. <laughs> so it runs up until March 4th, but it is the exhibit of the Drake Hotel or Motel, I guess, in Correct. downtown Nashville or right outside of downtown Nashville. Yes. So tell us a little bit about this photographic exhibit and, and more maybe about the artists behind it. Yes, uh, Tamara Reynolds, uh, she is an alumna of MTSU as well, so it was always nice to bring back um, our, our people that have had success out into the world. Uh, Tamara is a current uh, Guggenheim Fellow, which in our world is a, is a huge uh, deal. It's like it's the, one of the top um, recognitions that you can get as a photographer. And so I was speaking with her and said, I'd like to show the work. This will be the first time that this exhibition, exhibition has been shown in, in, this, in this scope and span. Um, the book uh, was published by Dowie Lewis Pr uh, Press uh, over in the U uh, UK. And so uh, Tamara spent about eight years, nine years, uh, photographing in and around the Drake Motel in, in Nashville. 
So actually in the motel, you, there's some images of the rooms, some of the interiors, but also she was very interested in kind of the, the block radius that goes around the motel as well. And of course, that area has changed a lot over the years, especially back when I think you were saying folks like Dolly Parton may have stayed there. You know, some big names in country music over the years stayed at the Drake at one point in time, but it, it has that area has really changed a lot. Yes, it, it was depressed for a very long time. Of course, the the, the main theme of uh, Tamara's work is really looking at addiction and some of the offsets or offshoots that happen when, when one enters a life of addiction. Um, but uh, recently, the area has started to change. Uh, I know that there's the new police uh, station, substation that was just up the road from there. And so... One of the things that Tamron also noticed was some of the support system for these uh, people that were dealing with addiction because you know, even in, in the bleakest, bleakest of times, you're you're looking for community. You're looking for people that can that can help you. Uh, and there were restaurants and, and little convenience stores, and, and those kind of all disappeared. And so that whole area is is starting to change. If you if you if you've been down there recently, it's it looks different than it did even five years ago. But this Drake photo exhibit that she spent time putting together, and and I guess talking to residents who lived near the Drake. She actually documented different lives around there? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes she would photograph somebody just once, uh, but then there's also people in the exhibit that she has spent many, many years. Um, and sometimes she wouldn't even uh, photograph the people for a, a long time. She would take you know months to get to know them before they be, were comfortable, she was comfortable with them, so that she could actually make a photograph that was meaningful and not uh, exploitive in, in any way. Hey, and some of the rumored names of folks who stayed there again, uh, folks like Elvis Presley and then River Phoenix and Dolly Parton, as we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, people stayed there. There, there's been a few. I think uh, River Phoenix. There was a, a film that was uh, some shots of it there. So, yeah, it's got a quite a, a storied past. So coming up tomorrow night in the academic classroom building of 104, uh, what what is going to take place at MTSU? So what we have done is we have put together a five-person panel, and so it will be Tamara, the artist, and then Dr. Vicki Harden from Social Work. Uh, we have Dr. Bethany Rye from Health and Human Performance, Dr. Tom Black from Special Education, and Dr. Ashley McKenzie from Sociology. So these are all MTSU um, professors. One of, one of the goals for every show, every exhibition that I bring through is that it's applicable to one other department. So I try to get at least one other department involved, and this time we were able to get four other departments. And so um, all five of the, or all four of the MTSU professors and Tamara will be having a conversation about issues that are raised. And we were also able to pull in a graduate student from the uh, social work. So Haley Dotson will be moderating the panel, which will be a good experience. Uh, we'll hear from somebody from a social work perspective, but also uh, uh, somebody that's, uh, you know, a student. So they have a different perspective than uh, some of the other of us that have been out there in the world a little bit longer. So at, at this panel tomorrow night, you're going to have, I, I guess, the photographs that she took around the Drake on display, but you're going to specifically talk about, I guess, the lives around that area and, and how they've been touched by maybe it's addiction or maybe it's in some 
fame who knows what yeah you know some of the topics that the panel has been discussing is are things such as addiction and because addiction touches so many different fields i mean uh health and human performance there's obviously a a component of addiction there's a component of addiction in social work and so they're going to be discussing things uh, that are relatable to the exhibition and specific topics or questions or issues that the exhibition raises yeah we'll have that conversation in the academic classroom building and then we're going to move over to the gallery for a reception. Again with us today, Shannon Randall, Assistant Professor of Photography and the Curator of the Baldwin Photographic Gallery at MTSU. Tell us a little bit more about the gallery and, and maybe some history behind it. What, what started this Baldwin Gallery? One person, Harold Baldwin. Uh, in fact, Baldwin Photographic Gallery, that's uh, his namesake. Uh, Harold was um, brought to MTSU and, and to do industrial arts and one day the somebody in the president's office asked him to do him a favor and he somehow started a photography program and we're so indebted to him uh harold passed away just a few years ago a close friend of mine and uh, he started it in the late 50s early 60s and quite literally he and i would uh, talk and he would say that there were sometimes uh, where he was hanging uh, shows with fishing hooks and and fishing lines so we've come quite a long ways now um, Harold uh, donated a bunch of money uh, to uh, create the space that we have now, which is a very professional 200 linear foot gallery, uh, which rivals some you know museums and galleries that you'll see that are commercially based. And some of the pictures that are on display there throughout the year and throughout the years are photographs like you would expect to see in Life magazine or National Geographic, but life in picture. Right. We, you know, the the gallery has been through four curators. So Harold started off and then Tom Jemison was brought in to run the gallery and Jackie Hegel ran it for a few years. And now I've been running it since January of 2020. We all have different perspectives, but yeah, um, you'll find we, the other interesting thing that most people don't know about is that we have also been collecting photographs for over 60 years. So in the Miller Education Building, we have an archive where we have uh, just uh, several hundred collect, uh, pieces in our collection. And uh, Harold also uh, provided the financial means to make a viewing room for those so the public can come in and do visual research. So we've not only tried to make it a, a place to put nice images to look on the wall, but also to do something with it. And what types of images can we expect to see in the future? Because I know they're not always just about people. Right. So we have coming up in March, we have the work of Tim Stoffer, who is an educator out uh, at uh, ETSU in Johnson City. And I'm bringing her in to talk. She did a series of work called Southern Fiction, where she photographed uh, areas that were important for Southern uh, literature artists. So places where they were born, where they may have written their famous works. And in conjunction with her, we're bringing in uh, Lauren Rhodes to have a conversation about that whole exhibit. Um, after that, we have our capstone show. So these are our students, our senior students. And then in the fall, we have uh, local Bill Steber, who's going to be uh, showing his work. He's been photographing in the uh, blues music for over 30 years. So it, I try to make every show a little different because we are a space about inspiring creativity. And how in the world do you go about deciding what photography or photographers to bring in to, to showcase? Yeah, I do portfolio reviews throughout the year, so I, I see artists there that uh, when their work is something that I think can connect to the students and to the university at large, I'll try to bring them in. 
some people are just because I know them, I have a history with them, and I will seek them out and say, I'd like to show your work. Can we make this happen? Sometimes people will submit to me and say, hey, I've got this exhibition coming through, and would you be interested in showing it? So um, there's there's lots of different ways. Uh, lots, of, lots of people have their hands uh, in these exhibits. So some of the photo exhibitions that do come through, they may be, I guess, traveling exhibitions that go on to New York or other places. Correct. Yes. And when those come about, are, are those usually photographers who, who others know about or, you know, kind of like songwriters and music? You know, you don't know a lot about the songwriter himself, but you know about the music. I picture photographers a lot the same way. You know about the picture but not the person who took it. Right. That's exactly. And that's one of the things that we emphasize is when we have an exhibition, we do bring in the artist. The artist comes to campus. They do a public event, whether that's a talk or a panel discussion. And then we also host a uh, MTSU workshop. So it's open for MTSU faculty, students and staff. Uh, so they get a little bit more intimate experience with them. But, you know, I, my goal is to show emerging artists all the way through established artists. So at that MTSU workshop that is open for the students, are they able to ask the, the photographer questions on, you know, how do you go about getting this angle? How do you do yes. this? How do you approach somebody? Yeah, and I, I typically leave it up to the visiting artist as to how they want to handle it. Do they want it to be a more, this this is how you do this process, or, you know, this is how I thought about this. This is how I went about. Um, you know, Alex Soth just uh, happened to be traveling through town, and he's a well-known photographer and stopped in and did a little conversation with our students. And I mean, it was a, it was wonderful because the students really get to, you know, poke and prod and say, how did this image come about? How did this project come about? Interesting. And I'm sure there's lots of interesting stories with r literally every photographer who, who gets to showcase their work at MTSU. But it's also fascinating that you have a chance for the actual students to ask the questions. Right. You know, having that platform, because you're exactly right for many many images that we see every single day we have no idea who made it why they made it but that's one of the benefits of being in an educational facility and environment is that we can't ask those questions so that students can begin to understand you know how do how would they go about creating a body of work that's of of people that are suffering through something as as painful as addiction or physical abuse how do you begin to develop a rapport or a relationship with them that even allows you to photograph them uh, and much like my colleague Paul Chilson was saying you know we don't photographers such as Tamara don't want to go into an environment and, and just extract and right? they want to engage and they want to give back and they want to be able to make life a little bit better whatever that means i guess it's kind of like covering a news story you want to be able to to capture everything that's going on without actually fully immersing yourself in the situation so i i bet that's a kind of a tough situation how involved do you get yeah as a photographer that's that's something that you always have to ask yourself you know you are you're creating a, a boundary or a barrier between you and your subject matter the very moment that you introduce the camera and successful photographers will tell you that um, a large portion of their job is breaking down that barrier so the moment you put it up, you have to take it down. Otherwise, you'll just you won't get meaningful images. They, they try to blend in, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Again, this exhibit is on display now, and a special event will take place 
tomorrow night. Again, tell us about that event, and is that, again, open to the public? Yes, open to the public. It begins at 6 o'clock. We'll be in the academic classroom building. Seats about 150 people. We're expecting a full house. Um, Again, we'll have uh, Tamara plus uh, four other of my colleagues at MTSU. And then once the talk is done, it'll probably wrap up about 7.15, 7.20. We'll move over to the um, Bragg building where the gallery is located. We'll have uh, Tamara's books are going to be available for purchase. We have limited copies. She'll be there to sign. Uh, The panel members will be in the gallery and there'll be food and refreshments uh, for everybody. Again, our guest, Shannon Randall, Assistant Professor of Photography and Curator of the Baldwin Photographic Gallery at MTSU. And we've been talking about the Drake Photo Exhibit that is on display up until March 4th at the Baldwin Photographic Gallery. And you can just Google Baldwin Photographic Gallery, and I'm sure the info will come up. Yes, be sure to include photo uh, photographic, because if you do just Baldwin Gallery, you'll end up in Colorado. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so door type in Murphy's bro next to it (laughs) time right now 857 thank you so much for joining us today all right thank you for having me stay with us we have more news a check on the traffic and the weather coming your way next on WGNS see cloudy skies here for this afternoon with a high in the upper 60s. Southwest winds at 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 53. Good morning. Traffic still looks good right now as you leave Rutherford County up through the Hickory Hollow area into Antioch on 24 westbound, headed towards Nashville. A little bit of radar out here, uh, that's for sure, up and down 24 coming in from Coffee County. I still see a delay in Wilson County just outside of Lebanon on 40 westbound. It's running slow uh, just before Sparta Pike. Nash Painting services all of Middle Tennessee, especially Rutherford County. Call Nash Painting today, area code 615-912-2288. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. 